You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is a recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Sunday, August 21st, 2022. I sat down with trail runner and Sasquatch OG Renee Perry to hear her inspiring story of overcoming addiction through trail running. So sit back and relax, or go out and hit the trails, and enjoy the show. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live series. My name is Kim Levinsky. I am the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Running. And uh, tonight is Sunday, August 21st, 2022. We are recording this on Facebook and uh, it's going to be uploaded to our podcast in a couple of days. So if you're watching live, thank you for joining us. Uh, we've got the chat going. I've got it in the background. So as you're watching, if you want to drop some comments, say hi to me and Renee, or ask questions, you are welcome to do that. I will relay questions to Renee as we get uh, going here in the interview. So uh, as we always do, I'm gonna give just a little intro on Sasquad, let you know what's going on uh, in this wonderful world of uh, trail running here. So if you aren't familiar with Sasquad, we put on trail parties, we call them. They are trail races around New Jersey and New York. We have about one race every month. Uh, distances range from 5K up to 50 miles. Next year, we're adding a 100 miler. And uh, this next weekend, we've got an event that not really sure how long it's going to go. So we'll start off with that. Our next race is this coming Saturday over at Stoke State Forest. It is our backyard squatch event. That's the name of it. And basically what this race is, is you have to run about four miles every hour on the hour. And the race doesn't stop until there's only one person left. So Last year, the winner went for 36 hours and covered 150 miles, which was really something. It was pretty wild. So who knows how long this weekend is going to go. Time will tell. We'll be out there. Uh, the park has the trails reserved for us through Monday. So we'll see how long that goes. Already have a really solid roster for our volunteer dream team. But if you still want to get plugged in, drop me a note. You can email me through our website. And uh, we'd love to have you come out to volunteer. If you want to run, we've got about 20 or 19 spots left. You can register on ultrasignup.com. So that's our race for August. And then in September, we're going to Weiweyanda State Park. And we've got our Squatchyanda Trail Festival happening. So that race is the longest one for this year's 50 miles. We also have a marathon and a 25K. And then next year, we're adding the 100 milers. So that'll be the first 100-miler for Sasquad, which is very exciting. That's going to be next September. And then uh, October, we're up in New York. We've got our Big Bear Squatch South Half Marathon. This event was in July of last year. We had to move it to the fall, uh, as per the park requests us to move it to the fall, because they're super busy in the summer. So we're having it in the fall. It's, actually, it's going to be gorgeous that time of the year, October 15th. It's out of uh, Powerhouse Park in Tuxedo, New York. That event will for sure sell out. I know it, it did last year. We're expecting to have about 200 runners join us. So get your spot. It's also on Ultra Sign Up. Check out our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. We've got all of our events listed there. We're in the process of giving it a facelift, which is very exciting. So if you visit, you're going to see some new stuff there. We're working on building out all the pages for each race to have its own page, which is cool. So it'll have the maps and the GPX files for everybody. It's going to make it a lot easier for uh, everyone, which is exciting. So that is, uh, that's pretty much the rundown of what's going on for Sasquad. So the reason you are all here, we see we've got some people watching live. We've got Renee Perry is 
joining me tonight. So Renee, you want to come on the screen here? There she is. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Uh, we've got Renee. Renee is a Sasquad OG. She's been around, I think, since you've been coming since 2018, right? Since our yes, first. Yes, 17, 18. Yep. Yeah. So she's she's an OG. She's been around the block. Renee pretty much podiums every time she comes to our races, which is amazing. Um, and consistently, all these local events, you're going to see her on the starting line. It seems like she races almost every weekend and uh, not just one particular distance, but kind of runs the gamut with uh, these distances on the trail. So I've had the pleasure of getting to know Renee through conversations. Uh, pretty much it's either like before the race and after the race, we get time to chit chat. And uh, last race that we were together, let's see, it was the Thunder Chicken Squatch. Yep. We had a conversation. You share with me, you were celebrating 13 years of recovery. And um, it was incredible. I thought, man, I would love for you to come on the podcast and we could chat about it. So uh, Renee, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So uh, we've already got some love coming in. Maybe you know these folks. We've got Teresa Allegra. Yep. You know, Teresa and Tara Yodis. Yodice, yeah. Yodice. They both are giving you lots of love on oh. the Facebook chat. So <laughs> you've got some fans already, but uh, cool. So we love to just ask each of our guests who come on to the interview to start out with your running story. So we've chatted a little bit, and this is going to be a great segue into talking about your story beyond the trails and what that looks like and eventually recovery. So, but let's start with with running. How did you get into this wacky world of uh, running? Did it start with the roads? Did you start with trails? Fill us in. How did it all go down? Yeah, well, I guess I would say it started on the trails. Um, so we moved a lot growing up. Um, I lived in Arizona for quite a bit of time. Um, I'm Native American. My parents very much were, you know, were very connected with, you know, the creator and with earth and definitely a lot of hiking growing up and camping and, you know, just being very comfortable on the trails. Um, I was joking with my parents saying that I was going to tell everyone how growing up, if we were like a mile or close to home, my parents would open the car door and me and my brothers would have to run home and, and not every day, but often. And uh, most of the time it was like, you know, it was a fun thing, but you know, it was just like, you'd always be in focus on being outdoors and you know, pushing yourself past like comfort and, uh, you know, just being an athlete. So I have an older brother and a younger brother and we all, um, you know, did a lot of sports year round. Um, but I would say probably in middle school, I started running, um, for like track club and getting into running. And then I met the high school cross country coach, um, through that and started running cross country in high school. Um, I was the captain junior and senior year. I absolutely fell in love with trail running and I also did track um, in high school and in I went to um, Bergen Community College and ran cross country there. Um, and really like after, um, you know, competing and when all that was done, I was like, okay, kind of what now, um, yeah. you know, life changes and, you know, move out and get a job and meet people and, um, you know, kind of found something else to do with my time aside from focusing it on running and being, 
you know, so, so like dedicated um, with that little bit of freedom came opportunity for um, kind of re replacing that dedication and that all or nothing type of um, personality that I have mm -hmm. um, where drugs and alcohol came into the picture for me um, and kind of took over my not passion for running, but just um, consumes my time just yeah. the way running does like any, you know, dedicated runner knows like our lives revolve around like we eat and sleep and train, you know, and work schedules and any social function, family function, everything's like, okay, well, when can I fit in my run? How many miles am I doing that day? What can I eat for right. dinner this day? You know, and when it's drugs or alcohol, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just a different, <laughs> different outlet. Um, so that really consumed me for a period of time and paused my running until, you know, kind of rediscovery and recovery and, you know, then was able to get back into running. So did you find like when you, you started getting involved in drug and alcohol, running was kind of put on the back burner, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it wasn't a conscious decision because initially, you know, it was fun and it wasn't, you know, all consuming until it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was, I was definitely still making time to run. Like I had, you know, moved out at, you know, probably 17, 18 um, was living with a friend who I also worked with and she was a little bit older than me. Um, so she was like, you know, definitely got me into bars underage and all that. Um, but she would still like come out for walks with me and runs with me. And um, so also a huge part of my story is animals. Um, I'm a vet tech. I work with animals. Um, I run with my dogs. I paddleboard with my dogs. I do yoga with my dogs. Um, but we also, her and I worked at an animal shelter together. So a lot of it was taking all the dogs for walks, not only our own pets, but so we were active together and we would go for walks and run until, you know, I was too hungover or too messed up to really run. Um, but it definitely did push everything else on the back burner, not just running, but everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's pause one second, because I know you have a furry friend with you right now. Can we do yes. Say hello, B. <laughs> she's thrilled. Looks thrilled. <laughs> she ran a lot today. She's, she's done. She's, she's relaxing done. a little bit. Um, okay, so this was when, so time frame here, now you're out of high school, community college. So probably like, about, yeah, 1920. 1920. So what, what was then the turning point? Because you are you know, 13 years removed from that or so, give or take, like, and a completely different person. Can you walk us through kind of that whole story? Yeah. So for um, the, I mean, obviously, not obviously, but I did dabble in, you know, partying and drinking and whatnot, like, like a, a young person would, but it really consumed me from that time. I would say probably age 19, 20, um, mm -hmm. all the way till I was 23. So I was got sober and clean when I was 23, um, probably my second or third time through a detox and rehab program. Um, but really when I share my story, I would kind of pinpoint my drug of choice as just more. Mm. So it's, it's more in a way that anything that would kind of feel good. I mean, as humans, you know, we're designed to do what feels good then not do what doesn't feel good. Nobody wants to feel uncomfortable um, or sad or emotional or, you know, 
depressed or go through anything that's not pleasurable. Mm. Um, and really a part of, you know, that a huge part of that gap there from 19 to 23, you know, in your young adult years, you're learning how to function as an adult um, and building all the emotional skills without your parents there and your family there to kind of set you up for social structure and things like that and being out on my own um, and really just abusing the hell out of my life and myself and um, my faith and everything. Um, it really was all consuming. Um, the way to really describe the transformation during that time is um, pretty animalistic survival, I would say. Um, really became such a creature of survival, an antisocial person. Mm. Um, I feel like I naturally kind of, um, I, I'm definitely very stubborn and independent. Uh, my fiance can tell you that and anyone who knows me, <laughs> stubborn and independent. Um, but I became to really, really um, thrive just in isolation. Um, mm. And that's something that I still struggle with where I just prefer to isolate um, and not really socialize. Um, and drugs really just fueled that for me a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But finally, I mean, I would say within the last six months of my active addiction and first or second time through detox and rehab, pretty much everyone that I was hanging out with three people that I had roommated with um, all died. Um, so I, I was definitely on a path of, you know, absolute destruction for sure. Um, everything in my life that was good that I, prior to addiction had pretty much been destroyed. Um, yeah, I mean, relationships and, you know, my health was very poor, um, just complete disregard. And, you know, to be quite raw with you, um, I was pretty sure that I was going to die and I was just okay with it. I knew that that's just what was going to happen. And I wasn't scared of that and just knew it was going to happen one day. And, um, and I overdosed. That was the last time I got high. That was August 6th of 2009. Um, and I just remember kind of coming to in the ER saying like, I don't want to die. Yeah. Uh, even going through rehab before that, it was always for someone else or through a situation where I kind of you know, my parents had brought me or whatever the situation was, but I had to really fall on my face myself, um, accept that reality that I didn't want to die. Mm. Uh, and I had to want to recover 10 times more than I wanted to get high, mm. uh, you know, and that's something that can't change for me. So mm. I definitely am as stubborn, um, as I am with that, um, in any area of my life, um, you know, I definitely have that personality where I'm all or nothing um, with yeah. everything that I do. I mean, I have five dogs and eight cats and <laughs> me, I'm covered in tattoos, you know, just everything that I do, I definitely do to the extreme. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just kind of something that I've accepted. I mean, everyone has assets and defects to their character. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, through being in recovery in the 12 step program, you know, you go through the steps and you have my um, sponsor, you know, it's, you have these people in your life who help show you a better way to live. Mm -hmm. uh, those tools that you learn really, really help you on the path of self-discovery. So mm -hmm. I know I briefly had told you, like you and Sasquatch trail running were a big pivotal part, not only in my recovery, but just in my general mental and physical health, like 
rediscovering the family of trail running and just being accepted and like feeling that I, I remember Sarah's interview with you, that happy, joyous and free feeling yeah. of being one with, with like my tribe again and, and not wanting to isolate. Mm-hmm. That's where the community of the trail really has like changed my life in the last probably seven, eight years. It's powerful. It's really powerful. And, you know, behind the scenes, getting to hear comments like that, like just, I think it was last night, I received a message from a runner. It was like kind of that same verbiage of like, I feel like I've found my people and I've accepted for being the weirdo that I am. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I would love to kind of talk about that more. Like, could we talk about, um, because it sounded like when you were really in the throes of addiction, running was kind of, it just fell aside along with your health and everything. But then after you went through rehab, how did running start to kind of weave its way back into your life uh, after you got clean? Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of say in recovery that you pick up where you left off. So if you started, you know, active addiction at age 13, you can come into recovery at 50, but still have the mental and emotional and physical state of a 13 year old because your development and your coping skills and your life skills kind of stopped at whatever age your addiction started. Mm-hmm. So my life prior to drugs and alcohol was, you know, by the way, I was also going to college for sports medicine. Like this was what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, who am I and what made me happy? And what was I doing before I destroyed myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly where I picked up. Um, you know, pick my life up. And I was renting one room with five dogs and driving, which I ended up losing and living in my car for a short time with all my pets, because I wouldn't, you know, give them up. And I'm like, we're just going out to the trails and we're running and get yeah. slow getting back into it. Um, and then I kind of stopped running for a period of time to like really, really focus and get into um, my recovery and build my career, um, and, and all those things, try to put my life back together a little bit, um, until I kind of lost myself again, but in, in a way where I was chasing other people's happiness, um, Hmm. kind of setting up the foundation of my recovery. You know, I learned a lot of patience and acceptance. Um, and there was a period of time where I felt that I was being so patient and accepting that I was accepting unacceptable treatment and behavior from people around me. Um, A huge kind of like core of my recovery in my life now, like I say these three kind of words to myself on a daily basis is perspective, patience, and peace. So most things can be changed or managed with a positive perspective. Um, I try to practice patience. It's definitely something I struggle with a lot. Um, just as someone in recovery, um, you know, instant gratification and most humans don't want to be patient. Um, but my trust in my relationship with, um, the God of my understanding is, is huge in, in patience. I spent a lot of time just praying and not out of desperation. Well, yes, out of desperation in some points, but mostly out of gratitude. Um, because I have such a strong love and relationship and bond with Jesus because I know the devil very well. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived such a dark existence for so long. Um, you know, God's grace and mercy, like true mercy, just 
is a blessing that's far beyond anything I deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, Every single day I try to just fulfill and repay that grace and mercy by trying to be the best version of myself um, that I can be because that's who I was created to be. And I feel like loving others is, is how Jesus wants us to be. Love one another, be kind, cause no harm, do no harm, be yourself um, mm-hmm. in the best possible way. Like no one else can be you, you know, so do it to the best of your ability. And just like, I always growing up, like always felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, not in a way that I felt judged or that I had to get approval from anyone. Cause I always kind of, you know, marched to my own drummer, but just felt like kind of socially awkward. I don't know if it's because we moved a lot growing up. My mm. older brother, who's uh, 13 months older than me, him and I were like thick as thieves. We were always super tight. We were always the new kids. I mean, I think I moved like 13 times, like, wow. and not from town to town. We were in, we were born in Florida. Like you said, we lived in Arizona for a period of time, back and forth. We were all over New Jersey. We lived in a school bus for a while. Like, wow. We def- yeah. We definitely, um, you know, moved a lot but it was always the family. There was always like, we always had what we needed um, and always had fun doing it. But there was always that kind of like uncomfortability being the new kid where I would rather just stay with my family and our animals and yeah. you know, do what we wanted to do. So rediscovering kind of who I was as an adult um, and what, what I could accept and you know, what's okay to say no, setting healthy boundaries for myself and for others. Um, a lot of that really played a part in like my dedication towards who I want to be and what I want to do. And, you know, if you ask me like to define myself or some things about me, I would say like, I don't know, I'm a vegan runner with a lot of dogs. Um, I love Jesus. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Like I'm, you know, I'm pretty, pretty at peace with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you find that a lot of this kind of self-described discovery of becoming, you know, who you are today was a lot of that exploration kind of on your own, or did you find that in the recovery programs you're with or like from family and friends, like where, where were you getting the most support or was this kind of, or was it more so like a, an internal thing that you were working through? I would say a lot of it's just through life experience. Um, I went through a pretty rough marriage and divorce, um, early in my recovery, um, which taught me everything that's not okay. Um, and everything that I wasn't, um, and, you know, really uh, there's no needs, life is too short. Um, and there's really no need to accept treatment or behavior or questioning who you are and what's okay. And what's not for anyone else, but yourself, Hmm. like I've fought really, really hard to be here today. And I remember just being clean and like every single day, like not wanting to go home or not wanting to wake up and just wanting to go run and being made feel to feel so bad for just wanting to like be happy to go for a run and be with my dogs. And I'm like, this is not the life that I fought so hard for. Um, You know, I want peace and happiness. I didn't feel like that was too much to ask. So I started to really um, develop who I was and what, you know, I wanted to, to do and what, how I wanted to feel every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really honestly through, you know, addiction and through re- 
recovery, you know, I started to develop a relationship with God, but it was really being clean and really relying on God because no matter what I was going through, I felt like I didn't want to share a lot with people, um, pride, ego come in, um, you know, I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm clean. I bought my own house. I'm doing all these things. I have a job, you know, I'm doing all the things, but I'm feeling not okay. You know, what I was going through was not okay. So at some point, you know, yeah, I did go through a lot and I put, you know, pulled myself up by the bootstraps and said, this is not okay. And I'm going to do what I need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have struggled with eating disorders on and off throughout my whole life. Um, and that really flared up really bad going through, you know, a lot of that time period for me. Um, mm-hmm. so I had to stop running again for a period of time with that. Um, and that is something that's just another control issue for me. Um, you know, if things around me, if I can't control what's going on around me, I'm can't control what's going on internally, you know, I needed to just, um, get a grip, you know, so kind of, kind of a form for me of control. So, um, but yeah, a lot of that self-discovery and who I was and like, not that if you don't like it too bad, but I still want you to eat, just not at my table kind of attitude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I do want to pause right here and just tell you that the chat room is blowing up with just love for you of all, your, all your people here are just you have to I know you don't have Facebook but maybe a friend who does can share all the comments here it's really it's very heartwarming the people who are loving on you right now oh good um, too. yeah lots of love lots of love um I had a question here before uh was oh yeah you know you talked a little bit about your spiritual journey I was curious did was some of that like you were, I know before you said like you picked up where you left off in, in some areas of your life. Was that the same case for your spiritual journey or was this new spiritual life something you found through recovery? Um, yeah, that was through recovery. Um, the day I got out of rehab, my uncle picked me up and he said, um, you know, he was also in recovery at the time. And he said, you need to come to this church. It's a born again Christian church. And you just need to meet. Um, I want you to meet somebody. And he introduced me to the guy who is now the pastor there. But um, for a while there, I felt like I um, had found my tribe again. You know, I felt at home and comfortable and accepted. And certainly like, come as you are, Jesus loves you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what, he died for my sins. Like he has created me. He knew me before I was born, Um, you know, and as long as I do no harm and love others, and share his love and his light the way he has shared it for me um, and really learn to walk by faith and not by fear. That is, that is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Get out of my own head. Stop projecting negatively. I'm not that important. (laughs) You know, like my reaction and my nervousness and stress is not going to change the outcome. Mm -hmm. Like he is bigger than me and bigger than, you know, anything that I can change by, you know, any manipulation, just have faith, have patience, which will give me peace in him. And if you have that for me, you know, that helped me build the life that I wanted of, of peace, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, another question I had, and I think, you know, we're on the same page of this with, you know, 
hopefully people listening, maybe they're listening because they saw the title about recovery and they want to maybe get some help themselves. So I was wondering, can you talk a little bit about the recovery programs that you got into? Like specifically, if you can talk like how you got plugged in, are you still involved? Like what are those, what does that look like for you? Like, I'm just thinking through if somebody's listening right now and they want to get some help, what can they take away from your experience? Yeah, certainly. I mean, Narcotics Anonymous is definitely my home. Um, I do also go to AA meetings because of my schedule. So I'll hit an AA meeting on my lunch break if I know that that's the only time I can go um, that week. Um, But certainly the foundation of the program, like both AA and NA have nationwide meeting lists and websites to go into. My personal experience was when I was in detox Um, They drilled it into your head. The day you get out of here, go into a meeting, Mm -hmm. anyone going into a meeting, anyone who's struggling, walk in, raise your hand, say, I'm struggling. I'm new. It's my first day. I think I have a problem. Mm -hmm. People with 90 days or more clean time will put their name on a meeting list, phone numbers. We do that because we want to help one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how you get plugged in. No one is there because they are judging you. Everyone there has had a problem, has worked through it you know, with the help of another addict and alcoholic. So it's just, you know, we say the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel. No one else has been in the, you know, our shoes except us. So who better to teach you? Um, But yeah, that's the foundation of our program. So it's not something that, you know, you have to qualify for. Like if you're waiting to go to the hospital, you know, you don't wait for your broken leg to be healed to walk into the hospital. You know, you're not going to, you don't have to wait for a certain, well, I haven't done that yet, or I haven't done that yet. If you're struggling, if you're having trouble just getting by each day, or you think you may have a problem, you're well, all are welcome, all are welcome. But yeah, NA and AA, I am still involved very much so. So I have a sponsor. Um, I also sponsor women in the program. I do go to meetings. I do speak at meetings and take commitments. Um, you know, I, I love it. It's definitely, you know, obviously sometimes I'm tired and I wish I didn't have to go. Um, but listen, I will, t- my worst day clean is a thousand times better than my best day high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, I think maybe sometimes people don't even know the resources that are out there that they can get plugged into. And, um, yeah, I got involved a little bit with uh, the group Al-Anon, which is like support mm-hmm. for family and friends. I couldn't believe, I had no idea something like that existed. A friend of mine had told me about it. And then once I started looking into it, like you said, these programs are nationwide. Uh, many of them now are even on Zoom. Like you, I was you just going to say, yeah, that's yeah. one thing the pandemic did for us was give us Zoom meetings. So you don't even have to turn your camera on, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Um uh, how about we'll, we'll keep going in this kind of same vein as say you come across somebody who's going through, you know, maybe some of the same addiction issues that you, you dealt with before. What would be some of the first advice that you would give them if, if you could, if they gave you their ear, right? If they were willing to listen, what would you say to that individual? Oh, I'll also say this in runner's words that the first mile is a lie, right? So. <laughs> That's the toughest. It's the toughest. Don't judge your run on the first mile and don't judge your like life in recovery in the first at least 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say give yourself a chance that time takes time. 
and fake it till you make it. Keep coming. Keep coming. Show up early and stay late. Like hang out and talk to people. We're all there for the same purpose. Mm-hmm. So I recently was at a meeting and, and I'll quote a good friend of mine who was there um, anonymously. And he said, the foundation of the program is to let the poison out and let the love in. Right. And that is such a strong and powerful way. And I'd never heard that before. Um, and this friend was celebrating 30 plus years of sobriety. Um, and yeah. And, you know, has an incredible journey. I mean, you walk into a room full of hope when you walk into a room full of recovering addicts. There is nothing, you know, but hope and love there. Mm-hmm. Um, strength. It takes so much strength just to walk in there. Um, you know, if, if anyone is struggling, seriously, just give yourself a chance, just walk, just walk in, just show up. If you even are able to get online or get your hands on a, on a meeting booklet, um, and you call, there's numbers you can call. We people will come pick you up. Someone you never even met and give you a ride. Yeah. It's really just taking that first step. Give yourself the chance to take the first step because, I get so early in recovery, my sponsor had me write a list. She's like, write a list of things that are beyond your wildest dreams and then read them in a year, read them in 10 years and see how much things change. And little things, I mean, as simple as a place to live, food to eat, hot water, like, you know, a relationship with my parents, you know, my siblings, all these things. Like I'm a godmother today, which is a chosen title. Mm -hmm. Like people trust me, um, love me. And, and I have family, you know, to me, family is thicker than just blood. You know, it's, it's people who you can count on, um, who love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And going through something like active addiction, you have to rebuild a lot of relationships. Um, but also I kind of faced through that a little bit, um, you know, coming through my whole journey with coming out, um, you know, I'm bisexual. A lot of people close to me, you know, knew that always. Um, but so I briefly mentioned a brutal divorce. I was married to a man. I'm now engaged. I'm engaged to a woman. Um, Ashley. And, uh, Ashley. <laughs> um, she's incredible. You still got to get her to run the race, though. Ashley. I have, she, she likes wearing those shirts, though. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I dealt with a lot of that same like rebuilding relationships. A lot of people, um, you know, people close to me, like I said, it, a lot of people didn't bat an eye, whether it's just because they already knew that um, or they're just like, oh, with you, like nothing surprises me. Like, of course, of course, you know, like whatever, like, um, but that wasn't the case for everyone, um, you know, in, in my close family or friends. Um, so like I said, a lot of that is like just, not accepting people, you know, behavior that is unacceptable. There's no need to um, put yourself in situations where, you know, you're, you're going to be harmed repeatedly for, for nothing, you know, for, for nothing. Um, So that's something that, you know, you can only do so, so much, you know, Um, and one of, you know, I've learned that through step work. One of our steps is, is similar to that. So, um, you know, that's, that's a life experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you for, for saying that. And, um, you know, this is the runner and race director in me and always in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm and I, I have to ask, cause I want to talk about it is like, what, like, 
what's the relationship with running now and all of these things, running and recovery and vice versa, recovery and running? Because I'm sure it's it's like a two-sided coin. You know what I mean? You want to you talk about that a little bit? In what way? What do you mean running and recovery? Like how does how does running play a role right now, you know, in, in terms of like, I mean, I don't want to answer the question for you, but I would yeah. imagine a lot of it is like yeah. the endurance, the commitment, you know. Yes. I mean? yes. So definitely. Um, and I would have to say, like I said, I definitely have that personality to be a distance runner and to do, you know, no matter what some, you know, I work a lot of hours. Um, I prefer to run at night versus early in the morning. Um, I'll work a 12, 13 hour shift and come home. um, And that's where, I mean, I love my dogs for that because they keep me accountable to where they know routine. um, But, but pretty much come hell or high water, like just, and, and not to just directly compare it to drugs, but you know, any, by any means necessary, I would use, right. So by any means necessary, I'm going to recover. And the foundation of my recovery for sure is first and foremost, my relationship with God, but I get that the most through running. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I truly, truly am so grateful for the ability to run, um, to push my, and, and, most activities, you know, I also do yoga and I paddleboard and kayak and I bike and I do all of these things. And Ash makes fun of me because I can't sit still. I'll literally stand in the living room and hula hoop while we're watching TV. I know it's crazy, but I do. Like, I can't sit still. Um, but yes, but yes, running certainly, especially trail running, just lights lights me up. It is definitely, I feel closest to God when I'm in nature. Mm. Um, I really think a big part of that is I feel no fear when I'm out running, no fear of, of like that anything can go wrong. And mind you, when I run most of the time, I'm listening to murder podcasts. Okay. <laughs> You're one of those runners. Yeah. yeah. Which I like that. Like, I don't understand. How are you running at night listening to like so, yeah. some creeper with a knife behind the next yeah. tree? Like, Not always. That's actually just a recent thing, which I stumbled into during the midnight squatch of Palooza when I was just <laughs> so loopy. I was like on mile 30 at like 4 a.m. <laughs> And I was to that. So, um, man, that race stinks. That's another reason, reason why that race stinks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do, I do feel like there's no fear when I'm out in the, on the trails. And, um, I feel just so connected to the earth, to my natural, like to nature, to my natural ability, like my purpose and my identity. This is what I, I love doing this is what makes me happy it makes me a better person it's definitely my therapy for sure it releases all those endorphins it makes me feel good um and that whole cycle of addiction like chasing that high of feeling good um you know and like you said in the intro like um I do race pretty much every weekend um and the distances and the terrain and everything really does run the gamut from 5Ks to the 
12 hour ultra. Um, I will be joining you in September for the marathon. I saw um, that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just lots of different, we're pretty much wherever I can get in enough time to do whatever event. Um, cause I'm, I'm really happy just to, to be, be out there and feel that therapy. Yeah. I love that. I love this conversation. You know, I, I understand what you're saying exactly. And it's something where I always think, man, I wish everybody could experience it. If, if not in trail running, that they would at least find some sort of activity where they have that experience. That's so visceral, you know? Yeah. It's freedom. It's freedom. Yeah. It really it's, is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Renee, we're getting towards the end, which that went so fast. I'm kind yeah, of disappointed. <laughs> it went really fast. <laughs> um, why don't we chat about what's coming up next for you? I mean, you probably got your race list is super long, but um, what's around yeah. the corner for you? Uh, next week, I am running a 10K at Storm King Mountain. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by West Point there, which is um, beautiful. This is like the yeah. fifth year I've done it. Um, I think once I took second, but I've pretty much done first overall each year. So nice. I get pretty determined. Um, nice. yeah, so that's always fun. Cause it's, it's all uphill, um, yeah. pretty much both ways up and down. It's a, it's a, you know, very wavy course. Um, nice. yeah, so I'll be running that. And then I'm really just building for a week or two, um, before, um, our, our marathon together at Weiwei Honda. Awesome. Yeah. Um, do you have, I'm going to sneak one more question here. Do you have any like bucket list running? It can be a race. It could be like a run destination. I always like to ask this for people who come on. Is there anything that's like brewing in the back of your head where you're like, I really want to do this? Yeah. I would really love to hit your hundred miler next year. Oh, snap. There it is. <laughs> You put would, it out into the I, universe. I did throw it out there. So I kind of was waiting on registering for this September if I was going to do the 50 miler or the marathon. And I think um, to put my ego aside and just let's, you know, tackle down the marathon first and keep building yeah. um, and, and take it from there. That's really, really exciting. I'm so excited because I, I keep getting emails here and there of people who are saying like, I saw the hundred, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to train for it now because it's really it's only a year away right um, I think it's going to be really cool I think we're gonna have a lot of first time 100 mile finishers and that like is gonna make my heart probably explode into yeah I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah I'm sure. but uh Renee thank you so much this is so great one of my favorite things with race directing too is you know I get to see runners come again and again you're one of them and I love seeing you connect with other runners. I'm always seeing you talk with other runners at, you know, either before the race or after the race. And that is just, I just love that so much. Cause I know you're just, you're just growing in the community. And I've talked, I won't tell you who I talked to numerous people who have told me like, I'm here because of Renee Perry and I've talked to her and now races. so you're making such, such a positive impact on the trail running community. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Um, it's definitely different for me, but I really, really enjoyed it. I know a little, little bit outside of the comfort zone. We had to push to give you a little nudge to come on. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun though. It was definitely fun. I hope somebody got something out of it. Oh my gosh, for sure. I know I'm going to get emails about this and uh, I'm going to try to get this on our podcast in the next day or two. So more people cool. can listen. Awesome.
Cool. All right. Well, how can people connect with you? Are you, I know you're not on Facebook, but Instagram, do you want to share that? Yeah, I am on Instagram. I'm at Auntie Nay. Um, cause I, you know, happiness is being an auntie. That's definitely me. Um, you know, lots of nieces and nephews and, uh, that's definitely my heart right there. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Yeah, and, uh, and out on the trail, you see me out and about. <laughs> yes. Out on the trails, um, a lot around Northwest New Jersey and, um, September, you're going to be back at Sasquatch event. I will be there. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everybody for, uh, watching Renee. I got to figure out how I can send you these comments. Cause there's just, it's so, it's so great. What everybody's oh. saying here. So I'll figure out how to send it to you, but, um, Thank you again for coming on. Thank you guys for tuning in live on here, Facebook. We appreciate you tuning in. We're going to get this on the podcast in the next couple of days. So um, you can follow us on Facebook. We're Sasquatch Trail Running. You're on this page now. And then on Instagram, we are also at Sasquatch Trail Running. Cool. All right. We're going to sign off. Thank you so much. And uh, until we see you again, keep it squatchy.